and for the hearing of the gospel. This is from the gospel according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, Jesus said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus replied, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the dominion of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the dominion of God. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. During our years in Cameroon, my wife Linda and I worked primarily with an ethnic group that had been hunters and gatherers since the time that their first ancestors came to that region of Africa. But in recent years, they have had to adapt. New generations have been forced to settle in villages and learn how to cultivate the land instead. And it has been difficult because tilling the savanna grasslands by hand has great limitations and the meager crops that they were growing were insufficient to feed their families. This hardship did not go unnoticed by the Lutheran church that had taken root there. And during our time in Cameroon, church workers introduced a method of cultivation that had the potential to produce far more food for each family and for the villages. And it didn't involve a tractor that would break down and need parts that weren't available or needed fuel that they couldn't get. Instead, the method of cultivation that was introduced there was the ancient practice of plowing the soil with a simple plow behind oxen. One of our friends saw the potential this offered and he dedicated himself to the task of learning and practicing this. It sounds very basic, maybe even easy, but Beta Rubin had to resist all kinds of forces around him and within him in order to persist with this. Even the shift from hunting an animal to working in close collaboration with an animal was a profound one. But there were other great challenges as well. In many more ways than one, he had to learn how to keep his hand on the plow without looking back. He had to persist when others mocked him for doing something that was very countercultural. He had to stay committed to a new and risky practice without knowing for sure if it would work for him and to be invested with the time and the money that it took. One of our 
very joyful memories during our time there is seeing Beta Rubin win the first cattle plowing competition hosted by the Lutheran Church in his area. And now when I hear Jesus say, no one, puts their hand, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, I start to hear that in the context of people like him. And it makes me much more aware of what that is like in the rest of life, in our human relationships, but especially in our life of faith. For Jesus, that saying came right after a very clarifying moment in his own life, a moment where he expressed his full commitment, unwavering commitment to the mission that he had come to fulfill. Luke says simply that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. It seems like an expression of that time, which meant that Jesus was all in. If he wanted to avoid the consequences of standing up to power, he could have certainly taken a simpler path and certainly not gone to Jerusalem. But Jesus seems convinced in this story again today that truth had to be spoken to power and that he was one to do it. And so his face is set. His hand is on the plow, and there is no turning back. In the larger Gospel of Luke, this story today is the beginning of what's called the journey narrative that takes us now along with Jesus to Jerusalem. And along the way, as we hear these stories now over the summer and into the fall, we will see that there are all kinds of ways in which Jesus is tempted and challenged to abandon this. There will be voices that say, you've done enough, you've gone too far, you've crossed the line, you've misjudged the powers that you are up against. You're wasting your time on a lost cause. And with that, there will be ridicule and scorn, there will be outright rejection, and we'll see all along the way constant threats of violence. But in the end... We will learn again through following Luke's gospel that none of these things were able to deter Jesus from his fierce commitment to freedom and to justice and equality for every single member of God's family. Hearing that in the context of this new week when we celebrate a declaration of independence which names equality and freedom as self-evident truths I wonder what it means to put our hand to the plow and not look back. Right away, I think of Abigail Adams, who challenged the white men who crafted this document to immediately start thinking about it in broader ways. In a letter to her husband, John, she wrote, If particular care and attention is not paid to the ladies, we are determined to foment a rebellion and will not hold ourselves bound by any laws in which we have no voice or representation. Her head was on the plow, to be sure. But where would we be today if countless others had not put their hands to that plow in the same way and defied the sin of sexism? Where would we be if Elizabeth Stanton and Lucretia Mott had not put their hands to the plow in 1848 and organized the first women's rights convention in this country? 
And where would we be without Sojourner Truth? who said, I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns, and no man could head me, and ain't I a woman? And where would we be without the plow hands that tilled the soil of the women's suffrage movement in this country, and the Equal Pay Act, and the Violence Against Women Act, and Title IX? In my heart and mind, I rejoice in all the progress that has been made. But I also hear Jesus saying in this gospel story today, keep your hand on that plow and do not look back because there is still so much more land to be tilled. Keep your hand on that plow until the sins of sexual violence and workplace inequality and sexism of all kinds are fully uprooted and turned into compost for the new crop that God is planting. Hearing that Declaration of Independence promise of freedom and equality this week, I would say the same thing, too, about the long furrow that has been plowed by abolitionists and civil rights leaders and activists like Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and Rosa Parks and John Lewis and all of those who still demand that we extend this declaration to every person of color in this country. We have learned over time that the roots of racism in our land are some of the deepest and strongest ones, which is why Jesus still says, keep your hand on the plow. Keep your hand on the plow until that shameful sin is eradicated and the fruits of real freedom and equality are gathered and shared by all people. And finally, on this last day of Pride Month, and on the weekend when we observe the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising, I would say all of those same things about the long furrow that has been plowed by every person who has joined in the movement to grant full equality and justice and dignity to gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender and queer children of God. And where would we be if Barbara Giddings hadn't dared to speak out and establish the first lesbian civil rights organization in the 1950s, when only a few hundred people in this country were willing to put their hand to that plow with her? And where would we be if Harvey Milk had not been willing to put his own life on the line in the 1970s and run for public office as a gay man? And where would we be today without the plow hands that have tilled the soil of the movement that produced laws banning discrimination based on sexual orientation and legislation across the country that has outlawed hate crimes and opened the doors to marriage equality? To me, these are all signs that God's dominion is breaking in. But once again, this is no time to take our hand off the plow and to look back at the same time that an openly gay man is running for president, hateful rejection and acts of violence against transgender people are actually multiplying. And I hear Jesus say, do not take your hand off the plow until all people are loved and respected and accepted for who they are as bearers of God's holy image. When we come back to this gospel story, we remember how incredibly hard 
and demanding this work is. And we see that the best excuses to delay participation in this are just simply not acceptable to Jesus. So what reward is there in this labor? The reward that Beta Rubin received for winning the cattle plowing competition was a young calf that he could care for and nurture until the time that they would work together as a team. And looking back, I've come to think of that as another sign of how God works in this world. When we lose our life to follow Jesus, God gives life back to us. It is fragile, yes, and it needs our love and care. But it is filled with promise. And the life that God gives back to us holds the hope of our future. The hope of our future together as co-workers in a world that is steadily and irreversibly becoming the dominion of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.